Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Uh, today's show is dedicated to precious metals investors, specifically those that wish to have a better understanding of how the spot price of gold and silver is being manipulated and misdirected. We will also uncover the fundamentals between physical demand versus supply, which products investors should own and avoid, and finally, we will discuss diversification and retirement. Joining me today to discuss these very important topics is the president and co-founder of Miles Franklin, which is dedicated to precious metals and global investment strategies, Mr. Andy Sheckman. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure, Maurice. Thanks for having me. You know, Andy, we're delighted to have you on today's show. For listeners that are new to precious metals, please share the vital services you offer investors. Well, our, our, our predominant service is, is servicing clients who wish to accumulate and store precious metals, whether it be domestically or internationally. We also write a free daily newsletter that we're very proud of. And uh, uh, Andy Hoffman and Bill Holter and my father uh, contribute to the newsletter and uh, put it out five days a week. And it's uh, full of information and, and no cost to, uh, to people who would like to check it out. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, uh, for the investors that have been uh, considering owning precious metals but still may not have committed, Andy, would you please discuss the value proposition before us, beginning with how investors have been and are being misdirected and manipulated? Yeah, well, I think, uh, Maurice, that's really one of the key, key things to understand about what's going on with precious metals. And, and I guess you could even take it further than that into most commodities. I think that when you look at at sports as an example or chess or war anything where there's an opponent typically there's a form of misdirection involved when whether you're talking about the point guard who throws the no-look pass or the fake handoff to the left and the screen pass to the right or flanking the the pawn up one side and, and bringing your queen around the other side to call checkmate the whole idea is to misdirect your opponent to not be transparent in your movements. And I think those types of misdirections become accentuated when the stakes are as high as they are for precious metals and really all of the world's commodities. What I succinctly believe has been happening really since 2007 and eight. And, and this isn't just a gut feeling. I mean, I have what I think to be information, at least as far as supply is concerned in this industry, to back that up, and we can talk about that too. But my gut feeling has been that really since 2007, 2008, big money has been using the price of commodities, the misdirected price of commodities, to create a perception of reality that allows them to accumulate the world's commodities um, without any competition, really, at subsidized prices. The world uses, most of the world, in terms of gauging financial direction, uses technical analysis. And big money, when I say big money, I'm talking Chinese sovereign wealth funds, commercial banks. They have enough money through levered futures contracts to create a, a perception of reality. They lever the price down dramatically. Uh, on all of the world's commodities through resistance levels and moving averages, which signal sell signals uh, in the world of technical analysis. You get the hairy dents of the world uh, chiming in and saying, yes, technicals look bad. Uh, the markets are heading south and, and cite all sorts of historical technical analysis 
examples as to why this be the case. And it creates a reality, a perception of reality in any case, uh, that commodities are bad and equities are good. So the proceeds of these short sales, whether it be in precious metals or fossil fuels or base metals, the big money then comes in at subsidized prices and without competition and gobbles up all of the world's product at pennies on the dollar without anyone looking and seeing what they're doing. It's classic misdirection. If I want to buy a 100-ounce gold contract, Maurice, these days it doesn't cost me much more than $3,000. So for a little over three grand, I can control 130. And if you're a commercial bank with untold hundreds of millions of dollars and a whole lot more than that, by shorting the markets in all of these commodities and suppressing their prices and creating an environment where technicals look bad and fundamentals look bad, the, the big money that can come in and pick up the real product at, at pennies on the dollar without anyone noticing it, there's still one piece of the puzzle left, and that is how do they clear themselves out of these short positions, and I believe it's through more paper or probably more likely through the selling of treasuries. If you're the Chinese, you use your dollars to short all of the world's commodities, to pickpocket all of the physical product that the world has to offer at, at, at pennies on the dollar, and then you slowly sell your treasuries to cover your shorts. And when you're out, when you're all out, when everything's said and done, you have accumulated the lion's share of everything from copper to platinum and everything in between, aluminum, steel, fossil fuels, you name it. They're all subsidized right now. They're all inordinately cheap. And they come in and they pick up all of these things without any competition at tremendously subsidized prices and then paper cover their shorts. And uh, they'll own all of the world's commodities. They'll be out of dollars. They wouldn't have let interest rates spike to, to, to kill them. And, and the dollar retains value through all of this. And so I think whether you're talking the Chinese or you're talking J.P. Morgan, who, by Ted Butler's analysis, has amassed over 600 million ounces of physical silver in their house account over the last three years, the largest physical position of silver in the world, the world's ever seen, as the price has been moving down, uh, or, or the large bullion banks also like Goldman Sachs, who recently have purchased, I believe, three tons of physical gold into their house account. Big money is using the misdirection of price to create a perception of reality that allows them to accumulate all of the world's physical product at pennies on the dollar, while the rest of us who listen to or follow technical analysis are being misdirected. And I do believe that a very high-stakes game like this, Maurice, uh, all the punches will be pulled, all the stops will be pulled out, and, and uh, big money is doing all they can. And you can your mind's eye can wind, wander as to who big money really is. But I do believe big money is shrewd enough to realize that you can't just accumulate all of the world's commodities and dump dollars to reposition yourself. You have to be much more shrewd than that, and that involves misdirection of price. And so really the only way that you win in this is to look at fundamentals. Don't look at price. Look at the fundamentals that are backing up the reasoning for buying gold and silver. Focus on the fundamentals, on the mathematics, on the economics, and do not focus on the price, because if you do, you'll be misdirected.
on behalf of all of the listeners, Andrew, thank you so much for that clarification. You know, I can see that at the micro level because uh, we didn't have what we term as strong hands and weak hands. And when someone comes new into precious metals, they see that the price goes down, but all the fundamentals say it should go up. The first thing they do is they liquidate their positions as if they're, it's a, as if they're trading stocks. And I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there by you're giving us the macro picture of what really goes on. Um, you know, here on Proven and Probable, we are concerned about currency devaluation, manipulation, and wealth preservation. Andy, for years, you've advocated for investors not to be misled on the current price of gold and silver. Is that because there's a bifurcation between the physical demand versus the uh, actual supply? Yeah, and, and it's really the most unusual thing, Maurice. Uh, in any other market that I've ever studied, when the price of something is falling precipitously, that is typically – uh, associated with a falling demand. In other words, the demand falls, so does the price. And in economics 101, if all you ever did was is open your book to the first day of, of economics 101 in high school or college, page one would be the law of supply and demand. And that says as the price of something falls or the demand falls, the supply should increase. They move inverse of each other. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much true of any market. You could think of a housing market. If all of the homes in your neighborhood were falling in price dramatically, you wouldn't assume that there's great demand for those houses. Quite the opposite. Well, in my market, Maurice, and it's a head scratcher, and it's really what led me to think along the lines that I do, what we just mentioned about price manipulation, is that in this market, every single cotton pick in time, the price falls big. The product in this industry disappears. Now, that's contrary to the laws of supply and demand. So either the laws of supply and demand have been rewritten in my industry specifically, or something more nefarious is at play. And that is exactly why I would say to you, yes, there is a great disconnection between the price of physical metals and their availability. And the most unusual part about it all is that as the price goes up, the product seems to be flush. When the price goes down and gets hammered down, it disappears. And in 2008, it was the best example I can give you of this. The price of gold went from 1000 to 700 and the price of silver went from 21 to 9 within a one-week period. A 65% drop in silver and a 35% drop in gold in one week. And now, under those circumstances, when the prices are cascading, one has to assume that there's no demand. In fact, that everyone is dumping everything they have. Like you mentioned, the price, the price goes down and the traders freak and they sell. Well... As, as it pertains to that particular example, within one week of that happening, Maurice, every major mint in the world was sold out of product for weeks on end. All of the five major mints, the U.S., the Canadian, the Australian, the Austrian, and the South African mint, were all either completely backordered anywhere from eight to 12 weeks or shut down completely and totally, accepting no business. And, you know, that's as the prices are getting clubbed. So I guess I would say to you simply this, big money uses the manipulated price to go in and accumulate anything and everything they can. And big money doesn't have to be a commercial bank. It can be someone in the know who goes and buys 
a million dollars worth of silver eagles when they know the price is getting smashed. Is there a fine line between conspiracy and reality? Absolutely there is. But all I can tell you, Maurice, is that over the past five, six years, it keeps on happening. The price falls, the mints run out of supply, the distributors go back ordered, the premiums go to the moon, and it should be the complete and total opposite of that. As the price is dropping, there should be nothing but supply at super low prim- premiums and no delivery delay. And that's really kind of the, the piece of the puzzle that led me to believe that the price is being manipulated right out from underneath us so that physical product can be pickpocketed at subsidized prices. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. It seems to me that when you have empirical evidence, but whenever it regards the subject matter of precious metals, it seems to be fringe on conspiracy. And I think you hit the nail again right on the head. It's empirical evidence that, that really supports what you're saying here. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's disconcerting that there is always the tinfoil hat conspiratorialist uh, attitude towards this industry. And I guess... Uh, you know, maybe I'm becoming cynical, but the more empirical evidence that I see, the more conviction I have that indeed what I am saying is true, that really as Chris Powell, who, you know, as the, the chairman of GATA, who, by the way, uh, I'll just make a plug on their behalf, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, we all owe them a debt of gratitude for their tireless work at exposing this manipulation and as chris says there are no free markets anymore just manipulations and you know what i i'm really beginning to believe him well you know thank you for sharing that and kudos to uh, to gata they've done a, a tremendous amount of work in this industry and shedding light on a number of uh, situations that uh, not just precious metals need to be uh, investors need to be aware of, but all investors you know just out of curiosity how many investors would you speculate own gold and or silver I would say one out of a hundred, if that have ever held a gold or silver coin. Uh, I think that gold and silver are things, it's funny, you know, our Constitution says it's it's a violation of constitutional law to to use money or to call the paper that we call money, the, the currency that we use, it's illegal. It's supposed to be gold and silver. It's in our Constitution. It goes all the way back. It's supposed to be part of the DNA of the United States, and really it's, it's, it's forgotten. And so uh, I would say a very, very, very small, small minority of, of the, the investors in the United States have, have gold even on their radar screen. But I will tell you this. You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, this time it's different. Uh, what's unusual about the last year or so is that as a firm, uh, we're seeing not as much interest by the mainstream public as we saw in 2011 when gold was near 2000 and silver near 50, um, a fraction of that interest, in fact, but much more interest from financial advisors with large clients. And I think big money clients are going to their advisors and with a sense of... of um, being, you know, disconcerted about where we're heading and maybe not even able to articulate it. And they're asking about precious metals. In fact, it's really becoming shockingly evident that that's happening as almost every day we're getting phone calls from independent advisory firms and and large advisors who say, listen, you know, our clients are looking to buy gold. Can you help? So I think it's growing on the radar screen. 
and uh, but but really, Maurice, you know, uh, as when 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 you study uh, investing, you'll learn something about called the little man rule, which basically says the little man never wins because he always is too late. He follows the big money after the big money has has positioned themselves. And so, you know, very much true to, to form what we see right now are large orders from from established clients or people trying to position position themselves. In 2011, we were getting 200 phone calls a day as the price of silver and gold were, you know, you know, going to the moon. Uh, small orders. Uh, now we're getting very large orders from new clients and established clients, people who are uh, looking to to position themselves into, I guess, to protect themselves, Maurice, from what appears to be a scary time ahead. Agreed. You know, you you alluded to money and the Constitution. I just want to share for all investors that are new to precious metals. Uh, you were referring to Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, and as well as, if a lot of people aren't aware of this, that the 1792 Coinage Act defines a dollar as 371.25 grains of silver. So uh, thank you for sharing that because, again, most financial planners, the world of academia, they don't mention that. And that tends to follow the investment philosophy that most of us have is we go into derivatives of money, which is currency, and then we get into paper assets, but we don't actually own money. And I always share with someone who's new to precious metals investing is if you can't do in quantity what we call the 1%, at least do in quality, which is owning the precious metals. And we'll get to that here shortly. You know, uh, Andy, there's a number of options, marketing and sales pitches made to precious metals investors. What are some of the pitfalls you see investors make time and time again? Uh, I think the the biggest pitfall that I see in this industry uh, really – revolves around modern minted certified coins. Uh, the modern minted certified coins to me uh, is akin to lipstick on a pig. And um, I think that, you know, if you're looking to protect yourself, I guess the first thing you need to do really, Maurice, is, devi- is define your motivation. And if your motivation is to protect yourself and your family from uh, whatever it is you see coming, politically, geopolitically, socially, morally, economically, you name it. I think if, if it is to protect, then it is about number of ounces that matter. And you typically, you stick with American Eagles, Canadian Maple Leafs, one ounce gold and silver bars. You, t- you stick with gold and silver bullion items from, from the primary major mints of the world. And you stay away from the modern minted certified coins. Now, when I talk about numismatics, numismatics to me are coins minted in the United States prior to 1933. And there are room, there is room for numismatics in any portfolio. The brand new stuff that's certified, you'll never get your money out of it. 98% out of the time, you will never, ever, ever get your money out of buying MS-70 Gold Eagles or MS-69 First Strike Gold Buffaloes. It's just a marketing ploy. It's a total, total scam. 100%. And, you know, I, I, look, I look around me and a lot, of, a lot of the competitors, the online competitors, sell that stuff at big premiums. And you think, well, in a world of, uh, that, that we're in, the bullion industry, where markups are razor thin uh, and you need to do a couple hundred million in sales a year just to, you know, to make it, it's enticing to, to do that and to sell the, those coins. But I, I do not believe in drinking my own bathwater. And I think that in selling those coins, you're giving your clients 
really you're pretty much tying both of their arms and one leg behind their back uh, and and telling them to uh, to go walk 10 miles it's not easy and i think that i think that uh if you're talking numismatics yeah the pre-33 numismatics if you get them at a good price there's room for that but to me that's the hot fudge on top of vanilla sundae you start with a bowl of vanilla ice cream and that's that's gold bullion and silver bullion if you want some cherries and some hot fudge, that's fine. But you don't want to start with a bowl of hot fudge or a bowl of cherries. Uh, you start with a bowl of vanilla ice cream. And that's just simply sticking with the bullion. And at all costs, if it were me, I would avoid any modern minted certified coins. It's just not worth it. Thank you for sharing that and great analogies. You know, one of the things that I tend to notice from someone who's doesn't know too much about precious metals investing, they'll go to the proxies such as some of the, some of the ETFs. And that is not the same as owning the precious metal. There's nothing like it. So please, uh, investors, be aware uh, that owning an ETF is not the same. There are some exclusions to that, and those are some of the spot trusts, but those are different in their uh, uh, in how they're composed as far as their setup, because there actually is the, the metals actually retained there. But I'm referring to GLD and SLV. Um, for those in investors that believe that if they own those proxies, that they own precious metals, they do not. Well, Maurice, I'm glad you said that. If, if, if you have listeners out there who own those two funds, I implore them to read pages 6 through 12 of the prospectus titled Risk Factors and read it again and again, slowly, and you'll be blown away by what you read. It's absolutely, it's startling. And I, I did a presentation once where I, it was called GLD or the real thing. And in preparation, I read the prospectus. And when I got to pages six through 12, I had to read it maybe 20 times. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And, and if you really took the time to read it, anyone who owned it would sell it immediately after reading those, those six pages. Because what you'll see is a tremendous, tremendous um, drive of the custodian to distance themselves from any and all liability. And it's, it's startling the things that you'll read in there. I'll just give you a couple quick points. Uh, for example, and I'm doing this from memory. Uh, uh, one example is that the custodian has the right to use subcustodians to hold the gold, but they're not responsible for the errors and or omissions of said subcustodians. The custodian does not reserve the right to visit the premises of the subcustodian where the gold is stored and or if the gold does not meet that the, the, that the subcustodian is holding, if that gold does not meet London good delivery standards, which is a 400-ounce gold bar, then they're not responsible for that either. So, in other words, if they had lead bars painted gold in their basement, which you couldn't come and see, uh, it doesn't matter because the custodian is not responsible for it. So, um, <laughs> in any case, it's one of these deals where I think that... Um, I think that it's it's something well worth staying away from. And, uh, yeah, you're right. If you're going to buy paper or anything, in the land of uh, paper, there is no comparison to the Sprott uh, PHYS or PSLV. Absolutely. Thank you again. You know, switching gears here, let's discuss diversification. You know, whenever I hear financial planners talk about diversification, I get upset because, they, to me, they mislead investors with sophisms sharing that mutual funds are diversification. You know, as investors, we have three columns to which we can invest. Paper, which is uh, stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds, tax liens. That falls under the column of paper. And then you have real estate, and then you have commodities, i.e. precious metals. 
Being diversified is being in a minimum of two of the three of the aforementioned. Share with listeners how they can accomplish diversification by owning precious metals through Miles Franklin. Well, uh, there's lots of different ways that we can help diversify a portfolio in precious metals. We can diversify it certainly through location. We have storage facilities in Montreal and in Vancouver. We have storage uh, options in the United States as well in North Dakota. Um, We can help clients be diversified through different types of metal. And of course we can also talk about the wisdom of owning mining shares in this industry um and you know that's something you need to talk to a professional and i would recommend uh, wholeheartedly the uh, the brokers at global sprott and carlsbad they are the best in the business and can help anyone who's looking to buy mining shares uh add a little bit of diversification to the to their portfolio uh you know and as a side note to that maurice uh i when i talk about diversification. And I I would just like to mention this real quick. Uh, I think that broad diversification is more or less a tool invented out of fiduciary responsibility by financial advisors. I think that the key to investing, if I may be so, um, I don't know, blunt as, or That's not the right word. There really is no one key to investing. But for me, the key to invest is to identify the primary trend of the market, Uh, not to broadly diversify, but to first and foremost, identify the primary trend of the market. And to me, the primary trend is ultimately of a falling dollar. So if that is my inclination to believe the primary trend is of a falling dollar, then rather than be broadly diversified into asset classes that typically do not move in harmony, I would say you take a very large position within the primary trend and broadly diversify within it. So for me, it would be gold, silver, platinum, palladium, maybe a tiny bit of numismatics, mining shares, oil and gas stocks, agricultural ETFs, paid off uh, real estate. Things like that, to me, are broadly diversifying within the primary trend. But to simply broadly diversify and to give that responsibility to a financial advisor is a cop-out, as far as I'm concerned. So we can help we can help clients diversify their metals holding, but in terms of uh, you know, diversification in and of itself. Yeah, I think it's it's something to uh, to take a strong look at and take a look at your portfolio and see if you are diversified within the primary trend or just simply broadly diversified into a sampling of asset classes that probably aren't going to do so well uh, in in terms of their their all of them moving in harmony as as things unfold. You know, we we're talking we're sticking with the theme of diversification. So. As an investor, I can purchase my bullion from you, which is gold, silver, platinum, palladium. But you're also stating here that I can geographically diversify by having you store the metal. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, We have storage facilities with Brinks in Montreal and in Vancouver. Uh, And then, of course, we have uh, the Dakota Depository in Fargo, North Dakota. All three of the the facilities, of course, are fully insured by Lloyds of London, are segregated or allocated or audited, the whole nine yards. And so, yes, for those people who who are concerned about, you know, holding gold under their under their own roof, we do provide storage. And and uh, we can also assist people with ideas as to how to store stuff securely at home as well. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And finally, just walk us through these steps here as well. So if I wanted to purchase bullion, you would store it for me. And if I wanted to sell it, uh, do you send it back to me or can I just sell it directly to you and I get a check in the mail? Yeah, either one. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, typically when people take possession of metal, um, they, they'll ship it back to us and we'll assist them with that. And, and in 27 years, Maurice, in over $5 billion in sales, uh, I've never seen a lost package ever if if we use the proper insurance methods through united states postal uh i've never seen a lost registered package ever so uh but if it's stored yeah they just uh, fill out the proper paperwork and uh, scan it back or email it back and uh a wire is in your account the next day typically is how it works well thank you for sharing that as well finally let's discuss retirement what is a self-directed ira well, a self-directed IRA is a individual retirement account where the client self-directs the investment choice. Um, similar to a 401k, most people who work in corporate America have a 401k, and that is where you have a basket of choices. But that's it. You can't go outside those choices. A self-directed IRA gives you really the ability to invest in, in just about anything that you'd like, uh, in securities, even in real estate, in precious metals, etc. So um, that being the the main difference between a 401k and a self-directed IRA, just a, a vehicle to to pre-tax, put money away for retirement. Now, if I wanted to have precious metals in my retirement, are you saying that I can open up a self-directed IRA in, in essence? Yes, absolutely you can. And um, you could uh, either transfer an existing IRA, a portion of it, roll over the entire IRA, um, or uh, open up a brand new one. Have physical precious metals held in a depository in your name. And really the very neat thing about the precious metals IRA, uh, Maurice, is the what's called the in-kind distribution option. And so when you take money out of an IRA, there's there's two ways. There's liquidation, where you close it out, pay the taxes and applicable penalties, if any, or distribution. And distribution is, you know, you, you have a pie, you cut it into pieces and you take a, you take a, a piece here and, and you take a piece there. Typically, distributions are made annually type of thing. Um, and when you when you're talking about investments, you know it's kind of neat, I think, to be able to take that investment that you believe enough in to put it in your IRA to be able to actually physically take it through distribution or liquidation. As an example, you own uh, you own an oil stock. You can't take distribution of barrels of oil, but you own physical precious metals in an IRA. You can take an in-kind distribution where you request that the custodian send you the metals you are holding in lieu of the cash value and taxes are the same. You pay the same type of taxes on the gain, but it's a neat way for people to be able to make a bigger splash in the gold pool without writing out a bigger check. Andy, let me ask you this. If I have a 401k, can I turn that into a self-directed IRA? Yeah, absolutely. You can. If you're no longer with that employer uh, for whatever reason, uh, absolutely. And you would be, I think, making a large mistake to not roll a 401k 
from a previous employer into a self-directed IRA. You know, the whole reason for being less flexible in a 401k typically is because the employer is matching some sort of your investment, giving you an incentive to stay in that account. But when you're no longer with that employer, for whatever reason, good or bad, I think it's a mistake to stay with that um, 401k plan if for nothing else, lack of flexibility and and the ability to move it at your discretion. Okay. Now, in reference to the precious metals, am I limited to just gold and silver, or can I also add platinum and palladium? You could, absolutely, all four of those items. Great. And and just to clarify, you're also storing the metals. So I'm geographically diversified. I have precious metals, and it's in a self-directed IRA. Is that correct? Well, now, me, personally, our firm does not store the precious metals for the IRA custodian. Uh, there is a separation there, if you will. So the metals would be held by a pre-approved IRA custodian. Uh, the, the, the depository that I happen to do an awful lot of work with is our favorite choice, and that's the Dakota Depository in Fargo. So as an example, a client would contact a company like Entrust, uh, as an example, and they would open up a self-directed IRA, with the intent for purchasing precious metals, and they would have it stored at the Dakota Depository in Fargo, North Dakota, in a segregated account. And then in terms of, uh, from that point forward, it's just like any other IRA that they have, with the exception of now they're paying a very nominal amount in storage fees. And when it comes time to liquidation, whether it be a voluntary prior to uh, 59 and a half, or a mandatory after 70 and a half, and for those who don't know, you have to start taking distributions when you're 70 and a half years old or the IRS gives you a huge penalty. So anytime you decide you want to take the distribution of your metals, you can actually take possession of them, but it would come from a third-party depository. So it's, it's always better to keep a little bit of separation between the people selling you the metal and the people storing it. And, Maurice, that's why with our personal storage facilities, we decided to partner with Brinks. Not only are they a name synonymous with quality and integrity, but it's third party. And it, it, it removes any suspicion or any, any, anything. You just don't want to store metal directly with the people you bought it from in their own fault. I think that's a big mistake. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that, and that that, that uh, speaks volumes about your veracity as well. You know, last question, Andy. What did I forget to ask? I don't really think you forgot to ask much about anything, Maurice. Maybe just uh, for your listeners, let me just solidify who we are. We've been doing this 27 years. I have personally. My company is just south of $6 billion in sales, and we've never had a customer complaint, ever. Um we maintain an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. We've never had a complaint on their uh, complaint page ever. In, in 27 years and $6 billion of sales, we haven't aggravated anyone enough to, to write a, a, a nasty comment online. Uh, we're very proud of that, something we take darn seriously. We're one of only 27 companies in the world on the U.S. Mint website as, a, as an authorized reseller of their product. We were nominated by one of the primary distributors seven years ago. So in an industry, Maurice, that is federally non-regulated, federally non-regulated, uh, we are very, very proud of our reputation uh, never having a customer complaint 
27 years and north of $5 billion in sales. And uh, Minnesota, my home state, as of last July, is now the only state in America that is regulating this, this industry. And most of the big companies, many of the big companies in the United States will no longer sell into Minnesota because they themselves, and I think it's telling, actually, uh, because then they themselves would have to be subservient to the same somewhat onerous regulations that we are, namely a very large surety bond that uh, is, a, is a guarantee that if any mis- anything that was uh, misappropriated of funds or, or we disappeared or went bankrupt, there's a large surety bond in place to remunerate people. There's also background checks annually of every employee in my office, including the principals, annually. And the state of Minnesota would say if there's a, any type of felony related to financial services, you are ineligible immediately from working in this industry. And, uh, and all sorts of compliance things that no one else in America has to abide by. So you put it all together, Maurice. In 27 years and a lot of business, we've seen a lot, and we've never had a customer complaint. And uh, we're well-respected in the industry. And in, a, in an industry that has seen a lot of companies go under in the last three years, coincidentally, three of the most inexpensive online retailers, Tolving three years ago, Bullion Direct last year, and just a couple of weeks ago, Northwest Territorial Mint. In that environment where there seems to be a lot of things happening that aren't so great for the customer, the state of Minnesota has gone out of their way to protect and make sure that that uh, that the clients are protected and uh, and and doing business with the company in Minnesota is is well worth your time and effort in uh, in what is somewhat like the wild wild west in this industry. You know, Andy, for all the various reasons you just mentioned, uh, it's the, that's the very reason why Miles Franklin is officially endorsed by Proven and Probable. You're on our homepage, so again, thank you for joining us. In closing. What is the best way for investors to contact Miles Franklin? You're very kind, Maurice, for for that. I appreciate that very much. Uh, So, of course, there is our website, milesfranklin.com, and there's uh, our 800 number, 800-822-8080. And, of course, you can always email me directly at andy at milesfranklin.com. I'm very good at returning emails and getting back to people as promptly as possible. Well, thank you again for sharing that. Andy Shackman of Miles Franklin, thank you so much for joining us today on Proven Improbable. You're a gentleman, Maurice. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back anytime. All the best to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Proven Improbable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.